Hey guys, Zach here. Just two quick points before we start the episode proper. First off, we apologize for the change in sound quality for this episode. We had a minor hiccup on Juliana's end, and she seemed to be picked up from a different microphone as intended. It isn't horrible, just different, and we promise it'll be corrected for the next episode. Secondly, and we hope this makes up for it, we have new music! Last episode, we used music by Evan King, aka Context Sensitive, who is a perfectly talented and extremely generous composer of great Creative Commons music, and I both love and thank him for his work. But we've been lucky enough to collaborate with Crash Troid, a local indie game composer, who I also met and got to hang out with a bit at Cap City, which was awesome because he's a really cool dude. So thank you very much to Crash Troid, as well as Cadaver Carnival Studios, developers of Ace in Space, for graciously letting us use their music. Now on with the show. Hello and welcome to Mad Millennial Media Munchers, a casual and Canadian bi-weekly media discussion podcast. I'm Zach. My name's Juliana. And welcome to episode two. I feel like we're hitting a bit of a milestone today because not only are we recording again because we had to push it back a couple weeks because I got sick and then you got sick. Woo! Flu season! <laughs> Yeah, tis the season to feel ill. And also, because it's a second episode, I I want to believe that there are a bunch of people out there who recorded a first episode of a podcast they wanted to start and then never got to the second episode. So oh, I'm <laughs> sure, I'm sure. I want to believe those people exist. I don't have any examples, but, you know, just... Thinking that we're already ahead of those people gives me strength. How are you doing, Juliana? I'm not too bad. Like you said, I got sick, so I'm kind of just coming off of that. I got a whole week to rest, though, so I'm mostly better. Might still hear it in my voice a little bit, though. Yeah, I I still have a, some trace symptoms, too, although it's been about two weeks for me. But if... Either of us sound congested or have a frog in our throat. It's because we do. Yep. At least it wasn't freaking COVID. <laughs> yes, we. I, I at least tested negative for that. So last episode, we talked about the convention you went to, PAX. And two weeks ago, I went to Capital City Comic Con in Victoria, British Columbia. Yeah, how was that? It was okay. Just okay? <laughs> well, it it had its ups and downs. Victoria is pretty expensive and parking is a bit of a nightmare. And I want to say the like the the venue is quite nice. The Victoria Conference Center in Crystal Gardens is a very nice area. I I think the con felt a bit lacking in content as far as like community panels went and none of the guests on the roster were guests that I was particularly interested in meeting or even going to like sit in on a Q&A for but 
they had a, a decent selection of like uh, merch sellers and artists and it was honestly just great for the social aspect of going to a convention it it does kind of suck feeling like you you pay eighty dollars just to get to hang out with friends oh man it was eighty dollars it was about eighty bucks yeah holy cow okay <sighs> but i i got to see a lot of people who i haven't seen in literal years well, yeah, there's a lot of them we would only see on the convention circuit, and with that all being on hiatus for the past, like, three years. Yeah, it's it's kind of sucked only being able to, like, interact with those people online, so seeing a bunch of people face-to-face -face was really cool. But I went, to, I went to a couple cool panels. There was a Guess That Video Game theme panel hosted by someone who actually hosts a video game music like radio show oh really that's cool in like local to victoria so so that was really cool and as you know i have hosted a a similar panel at uh conventions in bc before and she had actually attended one of mine before she re she recognized me oh really oh that's cool yeah so I wasn't allowed to compete, unfortunately, <laughs> which was a shame because I did totally show up to demolish the competition. I wouldn't have won anyway. No? I was kind of playing along and counting uh, what games I would have gotten, and I, I do not pass any judgment but there was a lot of focus on modern AAA games, and as far as retro games go, they were all PlayStation, mm. which is a bit of an area of weakness for me, having not grown up with a PlayStation. Right. But that was fun. There was a pretty entertaining drag show. Okay. And a, a a drag show like history and advice panel oh, neat. that we okay. went to that was pretty fun. I am not going to say what panel this was, but uh, I for the first time I witnessed a panel host storm out of their own panel. Oh no! Why? Yeah, I not going to pass any judgment because. This person seemed like at least like a decade younger than me, and there, who knows what kind of stresses they were going through. But there was a like a panel of three judges slash panel hosts, and they obviously felt that they weren't being given the opportunity to talk. So. They they kind of dramatically tossed their chair and stormed out. Like the whole panel of three or just one person? Just the one person. Oh, interesting. And the, the panel had to carry on without them. So that was a bit awkward, but the panel itself was entertaining enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, bit of an oof. But no, just in general, it was just a... A nice opportunity to see friends, uh, pick up a couple cool things. I I got some stickers, and I actually found a used vinyl of a a movie soundtrack 
that I really like to the film Streets of Fire, which is an 80s movie uh, starring a young Willem Dafoe. Oh. And I got it for $5, and I was I was really excited about that. <laughs> Slick. <laughs> and on the last day of the con, I actually, I cosplayed. I, it was a very much a closet cosplay. I cosplayed as Gerard Key from the Magnus Archives, which is a horror podcast that I really like. Okay. And I, another one of my friends cosplayed a different character and we got to take photos together and they came out really nice. But it mostly just consisted of my favorite black wool jacket. I got like a punk rock t-shirt. I literally bought eyeliner to do his eye tattoos on my way to the convention that morning. <laughs> so very last minute, but it was that was really fun. Is that your second time or your third time going to Capital City Comic Con? That was my second time. I I went back in 2019, I'm pretty sure. That was their first year, right? Or is that their second year? I think so. I just remember it's fairly new. I can't remember. See, because I've never actually attended. I just know it's a newer one. I also forgot to ask last time we recorded, did you cosplay anything when you went to PAX? No, I didn't want to have to pack anything down to Seattle. And like, PAX is already so packed, generally. No pun intended. Yeah, that I just, I didn't want to have to deal with being in a cosplay on the floor for like 12 hours. <laughs> Because it's that is it's, totally fair. It's very different from an anime convention, I feel, because there is. I, I feel anime conventions are actually a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more social. Yeah, there's panels, but if you don't have interest in all the panels, and then there's the artist alley, but other than that, you're kind of just like hanging out with people. But PAX is like, right. there is like the merchant area, the artist area, the panels, and then the entire showroom floor is like game demos. So there's kind of something going on, like, all the time. It's not, like, it could be a sit-down and hang-out thing, but there is a lot going on. And my intention of going is to try to get myself in on, like, everything. <laughs> Definitely not the kind of event that you want to get distracted by people stopping you asking for photographs. Yeah, exactly, because there are timed things. There are, like, scavenger hunts and stuff like that where, like, one of the things you're looking for have time where they'll start moving every 15 or every 30 minutes. So if I can't get to that location, I have to go try to find, like, the other location. Stuff like that. There are cosplayers there, no doubt, but it's not, not nearly to the same degree as you'd see at an anime convention. Yeah, for sure. We also talked last time about how, like, long, like, PAX was a four-day convention. Yep. Um, man, at the end of each day, I was wiped. <laughs> We're out of practice. <laughs> we are out of practice. I am just, I am an old man, and I do not have the energy that I used to. Yeah, I was lucky for PAX, at least, that the hotel was really close, so if we did... Like, if I had a moment where I was like, I, I can't, I need a small break and to get something to eat, I'm just going to go back to the hotel with some takeout and I'll hit the next panel in like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just have to carve out time for yourself to rest and and definitely eat. Fortunately, it's in the downtown core and there's a couple fast food restaurants nearby. 
Uh, I didn't use it until the last day, but on the second floor of the Crystal Gardens, which was like merch and artist alley annexed, like it split up between a floor in the main building and this other second building across the street. Oh, interesting. On the second floor of that second building, they have a concession and and food like people making like chicken strips and fries so like i had a nice meal out of that which was very nice i'll go to it one day maybe <laughs> yeah sure i don't know they at least for me the past few times they've run it i just looking at the guest list looking at the schedule i just i could never i never quite felt like i could justify the price of the ticket to what I thought I'd be getting out of it. Yeah, conventions have certainly gone up a lot in price in like the last 10 years. Yeah. Compared to what they used to be. Yeah. Although it is it I it is all based off of like what venue they run out of and how what they can afford to charge. Like you remember the Vancouver International Hotel that uh the brony and furry conventions in Vancouver ran out of. Oh, yeah. This year they had a Stargate SG-1 con there. Oh, really? Yeah, and because I, I started getting into that series at the beginning of the year, and I found out about that. But the tickets for that con were well over $100. Oh my gosh, yeah. really? And that was the first time? first time convention um i think gate con has been around for quite a while but it doesn't always happen here i think it moves around it's in a different oh. location so i, I i'm unaware if previous gate cons have been held in vancouver although it does make sense because the series was filmed here. but i think that's that is like just goes to show the difference between like a general fandom convention and a fandom convention targeted at one specific series. Uh, not even just that. I can't say for sure about the Stargate one, but if especially if it's like officially recognized and like endorsed and backed by like the series, the producers or whatever, then I feel like ticket prices will shoot up just because of that. The official convention. That is also a fair point. They did have a lot of, they did have a lot of cast and crew from the show involved in that event. Like the pony conventions were single fandom conventions. That is a very fair point. But uh, I still feel like the, the tickets were not that much, not nearly as much money. But who knows, it might be the difference of like, you know, voice actors are unfortunately not taken as seriously as Hollywood big TV like live action ones. Oh yeah, so... we'll get, we'll get to that <laughs> later. Don't <Yeah>. you worry. <laughs> <sighs> so anyways, the convention was good and then I got sick. <laughs> Par for the course. Yep. At least you got the convention part. I just got sick. Yeah. <laughs> what have you been up to while recuperating? If you've been able to recuperate. Uh, a lot of sleeping, for starters. That's always fun. <laughs> I've spent too much time sleeping. It kind of bugs me how much time I've spent sleeping. I probably needed it, but still. And then, like, I watched this weird movie 
is this a sign that we're moving into our media segment? Yeah, if you want to. <laughs> That's totally fine. This is our miscellaneous media segment where we talk about anything not gaming related. Go ahead, Juliana. So yeah, while I was sick, I ended up watching this really weird movie because I was just kind of like doom scrolling through Netflix and this trailer pops up for this anime movie. And I was so intrigued because the initial like thumbnail is an apartment building in the middle of an ocean. <laughs> oh, So the is this bubble? No, it's called Drifting Home. So okay, that is that is not what I was expecting. So it's it's kind of pitched as this like coming of age movie. I I guess <laughs> I don't know if it quite like I guess I don't know if it quite fits that that label. But um, the premise of it is that these like these kids get stranded on this abandoned apartment building that ends up in the middle of the ocean and is just going. Just going for it. <laughs> and there's- the apartment building's just drifting through the ocean. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so naturally I checked it out. So is it like a post-apocalyptic slice of life? No, it's- it's not post-apocalyptic. Oh, okay. That's what I thought. I'm like, maybe this is post-apocalyptic and people just get around, you know. Maybe people used to ride these not boulders concrete buildings for ages. <laughs> but, um... So, just some some apartment building just decided, you know what? I've had it with city life. I'm gonna go out, see the world. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's The movie was... It was interesting. It's got really nice animation, like, good detail to things, and it's super pretty. Um, okay. But the plot is kind of like... Okay. Um, there is no explanation really as to why this apartment building ends up in the middle of the ocean great i love it i love when the biggest question of a scenario is just left completely unanswered there is like a pattern to it because as the kids are floating through this ocean and you know part of the issue is you know uh this is an abandoned apartment building <laughs> there is not a lot of food there's one kid that had kind of been hanging out in there who had packed some food, but other than that, they're like rationing as they drift aimlessly through this ocean. And it kind of has these moments where I feel like it tries a little too hard to try to be like a horror movie because it does like, it has like the, the classic like the violins and stuff and like the dark moments, but it's, it's not a horror movie whatsoever. It just has a few moments where I feel like it's trying to be. Um, huh. but yeah, there is this weird pattern because they come across other buildings in the ocean and they're all like, like decrepit, decaying buildings. <laughs> like, I guess minor spoilers ahead if anybody's interested in watching this. Like they, part of how they manage to keep their food resources up for a little while is that like one of the other buildings that they start like floating by is like an abandoned, like department building that was torn down years ago and now for some reason is floating in this ocean. <laughs> and still has food inside? Still has some food inside. But it, it is like, it's like every every building that they pass is like an old building that's either torn down or abandoned or set to be torn down. It's like they're in building hell. <laughs> it's like this weird it's building like... purgatory. <laughs> 
It's like the purgatory from Pirates of Caribbean, <laughs> except for buildings. Yeah. But yeah, so like there's there's this it has this theme of like I guess coming of age and acceptance because a couple of the main characters, like they really they recently lost a family member. It was important to both of them and stuff like that. So yeah, there there is that aspect of like coming to terms with things and accepting loss and like kind of for another one of the kids like accepting some stuff that you can't change and for another one about like not being so afraid to stand your ground about certain things especially against other people and then there's a kid who i think i'm pretty sure is just there's like comic relief because i don't remember like anything about him as far as character development goes just jokes kind of just there for jokes it has some pretty serious moments like there's um like there's this this section with this girl just like wickedly whacks her head and i'm like she might die from this because she's like bleeding out everywhere so yeah, it has some it has some moments that get kind of surprisingly heavy a little bit dark and yeah like the futility of all of this because they're just they're not finding land or like they do glimpse land and they're like there it is there's home and then it just it's just a mirage it just no it's not a, it's not that it's a mirage but like they, it's almost like for whatever reason it starts kind of the building starts off tracking elsewhere there's nothing like there's no motor the building is just it does moving. not want to return to land it does have some really nicely animated sequences that i i it's not a terribly long movie hour and a half i think maybe it was two i think it was closer to an hour and a half i don't think it'd be bad to check it out just check it out but it, it wasn't a particularly deep movie okay all right, that sounds interesting. Yeah, Drifting Home. It was interesting to watch. I don't think I would, like, watch it again. <laughs> Fair enough. But it, it was interesting to see the first time. The the I watched it in English. I thought the voice acting was fine. Mind you, I didn't compare it to the Japanese. But for what I saw of it in English, I thought it was fine. <laughs> okay, cool. So, I really like cyberpunk. And before your and other people's minds start going wild uh don't worry i'll get to cd project red in a moment but for now i am talking about cyberpunk as a genre as an aesthetic as a set of themes i really like cyberpunk uh i like the matrix and minority report and tron and Akira and Battle Angel Alita. Yeah, you've always been pretty consistent about that through the years. Yeah, you know, I've I didn't put it together until like my mid 20s when I actually heard the term cyberpunk as a kind of a contemporary to steampunk and I I don't dislike steampunk but if you give me the option of like airships or neon lit dystopian cities i'm, I'm gonna go for the neon lit dystopian cities <laughs> so when cyberpunk 2077 came out i did not get it at launch i was aware of it for a couple years leading up to release because like, I'm talking prior to the big Keanu Reeves, wake up, samurai, we have a city to burn, uh, your breathtaking, like, that announcement trailer at E3. Like, I was aware of it for 
at least a year beforehand because I found a used source book of the cyberpunk tabletop game that it's based off of in a tabletop store that doesn't exist anymore. But I wasn't super hyped for the game. And usually I will wait until after release to see how a game does before I pick it up. And I was, I was really disappointed with how the original release game crashed and burned. Yeah. There's, I, I don't know, I, I feel like there are certain ones you can almost tell there's a point at which the hype, as you fall it online, just gets too high, and then it's like, this game is never going to live up to what people expect of it right now. Expectations will always, they, they always get bigger than what is possible. Like, it's exactly what happened in No Man's Sky as well. I had a few people I knew who were super hyped, and they're like, it's gonna be amazing, and this, and this, and I'm like, I'm sorry to rain on your, like, I don't want to, like, like, harsh on your hype, but I just have this really weird feeling it is not going to be as good as you expect it to be. And then it came out, and all of that happened, and, like, you know, they've, they've kind of fixed it at this point, that I think it's doing well now, but like oh, yeah. the amount of hype that it had upon release, unfortunately, I think also kind of set it up to fail. I tried No Man's Sky in VR, I want to say three or four years after its launch, and yeah, it's totally fine. Like, it's, it's, it's Minecraft in space. Right. I didn't think it did anything more groundbreaking than that. But it, it was fun for the time that I spent with it. But as for Cyberpunk, it wasn't disappointing for me personally that the game was doing so poorly. Because, as I said, I wasn't hyped for it. I wasn't going to get it on release. I, I It looked fine from trailers. I'm like, I'm sure that'll be cool. Maybe I'll try that sometime. But because it did so poorly and because... The name is literally called Cyberpunk. It was hard to think about or talk about the genre without it being inextricably tied to 2077. Right, of course. Which is why I am so happy that it has gotten a second chance lately with the help of Netflix and Imaishi's Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which is a banger, an absolute banger of a 10 episode series. This is done by Studio Trigger, who made Kill a Kill, and previously, back when they were with Gainax, they made Gurren Lagan, and two those are both two of my favorite animes ever made. I always forget that they w did work for Gurren Lagann. Yeah, because Gainax defunct at some point, and it, like, splintered off into a bunch of different studios. Ah, uh, okay. And Imaishi, who directed Gurren Lagann, co-founded Trigger, and they have set a high bar for just really great and stylistic anime animation, and they did not half-ass Edge Runners 
in the slightest. And I don't think that playing the game is necessary at all to get into it. I am going to be talking about the game later in the gaming segment, so I'm, I'm going to try my best to split these up between miscellaneous media and gaming, but it, it is hard not to talk about it because they're so closely related, but I hadn't touched the game for more than like 30 minutes to an hour before I watched episode one of this show. And it is very fast paced, but it sucks you in much like the game did. <laughs> it's about a boy named David who is from originally one of the poorer sections of Night City and his mom works for Trauma Team, which is basically paramedics who will only help people who are covered by like health plans. And he's going to a academy owned by one of the most powerful corporations in the city. And his mom dies because of a gang-related shootout. Oh, shoot. And she isn't covered by Trauma Team. Despite working for them. From what I can tell, yeah. But while she was working for Trauma Team, she had a side hustle where she would get, like, black market augments, like cyberware, to certain edge runners who are basically mercenaries. And after her death, he discovers... It's an implant called a Sand Devastan, which is previously used by a cyber psycho. But after her death, he is just, he's, he's driven into a really rough place. Like his, his mom's dead. He's just gotten beaten up by one of his classmates. And he decides to get this bit of cyberware implanted into his spine, and it allows him to essentially stop time oh. for a brief period of time. And the effect on the Sandevistan is something that I absolutely love because it shows the user's after images when they're moving, and the, the effect is just beautiful. He uses it against the classmate who beat him up. He gets kicked out of school, and he joins a group of edge runners, and they become his new found family. And things are cool for a couple of episodes until that crew is mostly dead. Uh, okay. And there is a bit of a time jump between the sixth and the seventh episode, but from what I can tell, the point at which the series hits its climax at the end happens about a year before the events of the game. So, I can't remember, did you watch Arcane? I did not. Okay, so Arcane is also, you know, show based off a of video game, don't need to have played the video game, also Netflix original. I'm curious because Arcane kind of, there it was nine episodes and it did like kind of like these mini arcs and like sets of three. I've always told everyone, if you're going to watch Arcane, watch it in sets of three episodes. Does, um, does Edge Runner do that same sort of thing where it is kind of broken up like three, four, uh, three or something like that for its storytelling? Not really. It follows David from start to finish. 
you can kind of break them up into little chapters. Like the first one is the introduction. The second chunk is him joining the group and training. And then he either ages or just bulks up. <laughs> but there is an obvious time skip between the sixth and the seventh episode. Oh, okay. And he is suddenly far more mature and badass and is respected by people far more. And the animation is beautiful, obviously, as all of Trigger's work is. It's drenched in neon and they use a lot of detail from the game. There is a point in one of the final fights where I was like, hey, I recognize that street. And the music, most of it is lifted from what I can tell almost exclusively from the video game. Oh, that's super cool. Like, wait, just like straight from the game or do they kind of like remix it or do slight covers on it or just, or is it just straight up, this is the game or this is the music from the game? Well, like the intro and the outro don't apply to that because uh, the intro is actually a Franz Ferdinand song. Oh. Yeah, of all things. But for the game, they commissioned or had various artists make like a ton of original songs for the various radio stations in the game. Oh. And those songs show up in the, the anime. And one song in particular called I Really Want to Stay at Your House has just been catapulted into popularity <laughs> by two particular episodes in this series. And it's given the game like a huge second chance. At one point a couple weeks ago, it was reported that it had like 176% player gain on Steam. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good for them. Although it did go on sale, so I'm sure that helps. I, I, I will... I, I really want to talk about the game right now, no, but I can't. It could move into I can't. The, could into we, I can't I, no, no, no. We we gotta. I still have another thing to to talk about. <laughs> oh, okay. Did did you want to talk about um the Twitch thing at all, or are you gonna pass over it? Uh, let's pass over it. You can go into your second thing. Okay. The other thing that I watched recently. Uh, two days ago, in fact, which is also off of Netflix. I watched Johnny Mnemonic, which is a 1995 cyberpunk movie, I, because I'm in a huge cyberpunk mood right now. <laughs> also starring Keanu Reeves. Maybe you're not in a cyberpunk mood. Maybe you're just in a Keanu Reeves mood. <laughs> that is possible. Canadian solidarity there. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, this is a movie that is based off a short story by William Gibson, who wrote Neuromancer. He was one of the first and iconic authors in the literature side of cyberpunk, and he had to write, like, an extra 60 or 80% of plot to flesh it out for this movie. 
Keanu Reeves plays a data smuggler who has a implant in his brain, which allows him to store around 80 gigabytes of data. And the movie is set in 2021. <laughs> and <laughs> surprise, surprise, there is a pandemic going around. In the movie? In the movie, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> and he is hired to store an, an amount of data that's like 320 gigs. Man, 80 gigabytes data. That's like not even one Call of Duty game. No, I know. <laughs> this is that is how much technology has come in almost 30 years. And right after he loads the data, the Yakuza attack, his clients get killed and he is now suddenly on the run and everybody wants the data that's in his head. Right. But it's slowly killing him because it far exceeds his storage capacity. So even though, like, so it exceeds the storage capacity, but they can, they can still try to cram it into him despite it exceeding that storage capacity? It just yeah, it's, takes from his lifespan, I guess? Yeah, it... it it fits, <laughs> but early cyberpunk, it came from a time where knowledge of computing technology wasn't as widespread, so a lot of it is, like, played fast and loose, and this is a great example. Mm, okay. Because under normal circumstances, if you tried writing that amount of data to something that only had, like, less than a third of its capacity, the data would just, like overwrite itself or become corrupt from from what i understand okay okay it's an okay movie there is some really bad early cgi where keanu reeves is using the internet with a vr headset and like steam knuckles <laughs> there's some interesting guest stars in the movie there's a, a bunch of rebels fighting against the corporations called the Lotex, and they're led by Ice-T. He's the rapper who was also, I believe he starred in Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Okay, sorry, the first thing that popped into my head was a rapper, and I'm like, but I feel like I'm getting it mixed up with something else. Okay, yeah, he, I'm not. I'm not rapper. super familiar with his. <laughs> I'm not super familiar with his work either. And then Dolph Lundgren, who he was like the the Russian villain in one of the Rocky movies. He plays a like Catholic priest assassin. Oh my gosh! Okay. Yeah, it's a a wacky ride. <laughs> But in the the end, I thought it was really interesting because it, it turns out that this pandemic, which is a some kind of neurodegenerative disease, is being caused by basically Wi-Fi or like wireless frequencies. Oh. Like it is it is the human body reacting to bombardment of wireless signals, oh, which I thought was pretty cool. I'm glad that isn't the case for us, or is it? Well, there was a big fear for quite a while. I'm sure it's still a fear for people now, you know. You remember when we were younger and we used to be told, like, you know, don't keep your cell phone in your pocket and stuff like that? I do remember that. <laughs> I remember seeing a video where they put, like, a popcorn kernel between, like, three or four 
cell phone yeah! and called them at all at the same time. <laughs> and it popped the kernel. And now I'm curious how realistic that was. <laughs> But I, I feel like we're at the point, there's kind of no escaping that. Like, even right now, like, I have to get the Wi-Fi to the, the laptop we're recording off of. The headset I'm listening through is wireless. My cell phone is right there. <laughs> and like, yeah. And, like, even, like, the alarm system here is, like, wireless based for communication. There's no avoiding it anymore. <laughs> And we think it's all safe, but how safe is it? Uh, we'll find I don't out. know. I don't ascribe to conspiracy theories, so I don't. I don't really care. Oh, speaking of conspiracy theories, we'll get to that later. It kind of relates to the Mario movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. But anyways, yeah, that was fun. I don't know if I'd recommend it. It is a very '90s and weird movie, but I had fun with it. I feel like I kind of have to, because you said it takes place in 2021, right? Yeah, it takes place in 2021, and I, I forgot to mention that the tabletop game that Cyberpunk is based off of was called Cyberpunk 2020. Yeah, yeah, I remember which that. Which is ironic, because that's the year 2077 released, and also the year that our own reality really started to resemble a cyberpunk dystopia. <laughs> uh, In reality, though, it's been a slow decline. But that's one of the reasons why I like cyberpunk so much, is that it's like a dark reflection of our own reality placed, like, 20 to 50 years in the near future. No, it is admittedly one of the things I like seeing about films or games that take place in the future when that when that date hits or that year hits because i'm like okay what did you guys think this is going to be like like 20 30 years ago <laughs> uh, the next one i'm waiting for is is what 2034 we're supposed to have like potentially sentient androids <laughs> Hello, oh, Detroit. Which... Detroit Become Human takes place in like oh, yes, a mere like course. 2034 or something like that. I would definitely say that Detroit Become Human is cyberpunk. Yeah? Yeah, because like the concept of cyberpunk is like the the loosest definition of it is high tech, low life. Mm. Basically a scenario where advancements in technology is contrasted by like low and oppressive standards of living. Oh, okay. That definitely is true for a bunch of Detroit in that <laughs> game. Alright, now on to gaming. Video games, tabletop, or otherwise. What do you have for us, Juliana? Oh, so I've had a heck of a week. Um, I feel like I talk about a little too much, but jumping back once again to Final Fantasy XIV. Does this mean we're returning to Eorzea Corner? Kinda, but also kinda not really. <laughs> You'll find out oh, in okay. a second. Um, so I had a very interesting experience in the game. I got fished. Oh, what? I have never in my life fallen for an internet scam before until this one. And the most ironic part about all of this is there is another phishing scam that was making its rounds 
through 14 at the time. This was like a week ago. Where like you just get whispers from people being like, Hey, I'm like shutting down my account and giving away all of my gill in a raffle. Come to this like website to enter the raffle. It's like, okay, you know, blocked and reported. Just get out of my, get out of my text box. <laughs> this is a uh -huh. scam. So for me, unfortunately, I got a message from a person I know in the game. And it was this super, super innocuous message. Like, hey, um, if you needed any like tips and tricks for your roles, uh, check this out. It's super helpful. And like, I had talked to them oh, about Oh, and they sent you a link. And they sent me a link. But um, like, I had been talking to this person about how, yeah, like I'm, I'm working on learning how to play tank and like i'm picking up like a melee dps for the first time and i have spoken to this person at length before so you know in this case i'm like okay whatever it's fine i take the link i follow it to the square enix forum and it asks me to log in and i'm like okay sure i log in and the login doesn't stick um which i'm like that's really really weird and just immediately raised a red flag for me so i open up another tab go find anything from a square enix form and check the urls and it's like two characters off like oh, it's like the man. regular looking website dot something dot something else with two letters that shouldn't be there yada 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 and i guess the other problem is like i have like never visited the forums before i didn't realize that if you just go to the forum you don't need to log in to go view the forums <laughs> You need to log in to post, but you don't have to log in to actually just view it. That uh, sucks. So yeah, that immediately set my flags off, and next thing I'm trying to get into my account, I've been kicked out of it, I can't log in, a one-time password, like, two-factor authentication has been applied, so like, I, I'm immediately on the, the help, like, the help chat with customer service. And I'm like, yeah. I need to get, like, I, I need to get the one-time password taken off, I need to, like, be able to change my password and get back into our account, because I'm pretty sure someone that's not me is running around in it. And I double-checked, like, my login history, and yeah, like, a minute or two after the forum thing, I've logged in somewhere in the U.S. That's God that's not, it. like, where I am, because we're based in Canada. Uh, so yeah, that entire ordeal of getting my account back... Maybe 30 minutes. That's at least less time than it took to sort out hotel stuff for PAX. Oh my god. Oh my god, yeah. But like, 30 minutes. That's it. I get back into my account. It's all like, you're logged in on a different computer. Give us a minute while we boot you out of that one and log you into this one. I'm like, great. Logs into my computer. I'm like, on a different world. So still within the data center. It's not like they paid and transferred me somewhere. But they just, they did world hop me to a different world. Um... All of my gill is gone. <laughs> oh, no. And, and like, like, I guess I should have said this earlier. While I was in the middle of getting my account back, the FC, like, I got messages from people in my FC on Discord being like, why did you suddenly leave the FC? Is everything okay? I'm like, no, everything is not okay. And I posted in, like, the general chat. I'm like, anybody who's got eyes on the game right now, can you check the FC chest? And if anybody sees me in the game tell me what's happening because i don't have my account so like one member was following my character best they could because they had me on their friends list so they could kind of track where i was going and someone else went and checked the chest um and yeah they drained all of the money out of the fc chest because i have like a second in command role that gives me access to everything 
Oh no. Drained all of the money out of the FC chest, left the free company, and then took my character of my gill and the FC gill into another world and transferred like all of it. Um, despite the fact that I managed to get the account back in 30 minutes, which I think is fairly decent time, all totally gone. Oh no, dude. So I have my account back. Um, and then it was like, so I, I put in what they call a rollback request, which is the best way I can describe it is they will like load an old save file of your character. But the free company is screwed. It depends. Absolute best case scenario, they reload my character to the point where I am holding all of the money. Oh, that, that would be ideal. But they cannot guarantee anything like that. So I might get all of my money back because it rolls back to a point, but I might not get all the FC money back, which I still feel really, really guilty about. Um, nobody is, like, mad at me, but I still feel really bad about it. Well, that's a relief. What happened to this person who sent you the link? Did they get hacked, or do you think they were, like, a bad actor from the start? No, I caught- well, unless they're still a bad actor. I had their contact information on Discord, and I'm like, hey, you need to check your account, because I just got scammed from yours, so unless you've been pulling the wool over my eyes for months now, you need to check your account. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and then last I heard, they did, they got in, they checked theirs, they also, like, they- it also got, like, suspended. So they're also working on a rollback thing. Um, yeah, I put in the rollback request, and then, like, the next day got suspended, had to put in the request to get my account unsuspended, and then had to put in another rollback request. I haven't oh I haven't actually heard anything since Wednesday besides, like, a, we're working on it. <laughs> I totally would have fallen for that, too, if I were in your shoes, because, and I partially put blame on Square Enix for this, their website is atrocious. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> it's not good. Because I remember even signing up for the game and having troubles because, like, not the password box, but, like, the email box was cap-sensitive. And I had, like, put capitals on, like, a spot where I don't usually put a capital for, like, my naming convention on my email. Or, like, I had done it through my phone, which, like, auto-capitalized, like, the first letter in my email. And I could not, for the life of me, figure out why I could not get into the account because it was capital sensitive on the email box but Jeez. anyway um so yeah i'm kind of sitting in this limbo of waiting for the rollback but testimonies online and a cut like a, a friend whose friend has gone through a similar issue anywhere from two weeks to two months <laughs> oh my gosh well so You've got a chance to play other stuff for the time being. Basically, because anything I do right now on my account in Final Fantasy, like if I were to finish like the finish the game and the expansions and get everything to level 90 in the next week, and the week after that they roll it back, I lose all of that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I I can't really do anything with it. I've been logging in to do little things that like like for the map nights because i i don't think if they roll my account back i don't think they're going to go after every little thing i've touched so i'm pretty sure like if i go harvest a map and mail it to someone else and then we use those maps on the tuesday and i take any gill from that and just throw it right back into the fc chest i don't think anything is going to happen to it because it's just it's too much stuff that square enix would have to dig through to try to roll back yeah but otherwise yeah i can't do too much on that game <laughs> 
that sucks. It does. I am so sorry that happened. I was, like, talking to somebody else when it happened, because, like, my roommates were at work, and there was somebody else, like, a, a different online friend who, like, called me, and I was, like, this blubbering mess on that call <laughs> for, like, oh, a solid 30 minutes following it. I'm so sorry, Juliana. And, like... Like I said, nobody in the FC is mad at me. There have been a couple other people in the FC who have been hacked before, but like the reason why I feel so bad is because I had like I had permissions that those other ones didn't. So for them getting hacked affected their account only. For me getting hacked affected right. my account and the other two degree two hundred people in the free company. Oh man, and. So, did you have the one-time password authentication on your account, and they were able to get by that? No, I had turned it off. That's the thing. I had turned it off about a month earlier, because during PAX, like, I was logging in at my place, and then I'd be logging in at my parents' place, or I'd be, like, like on the computer, on the laptop, but just in and out fairly frequently, just with on, on like, different, different computers. So for that right. bit of time, I turned it off. <laughs> I just didn't turn it back on. Just like oh, is, like only a month ago. I did wonder like why this game has such tight security. I guess this is why. Although I've read some other testimonies online from people who apparently do have two-factor authentication, but apparently the scams are getting so detailed now that they'll take you to places where you log in with your password and you log in with two-factor authentication. But I guess it sounds like, supposedly, it sounds like there's something about the bots on that are so quick that they can take that two-factor and immediately, like, immediately use it to log into the game. So the two-factor helps, but doesn't necessarily help in all circumstances. Wow. If you just happen to get one of those more elaborate scams. From what I've read, I haven't exactly confirmed it myself. Be careful out there, people. Yeah. This is reminding me, I have only been fished, like, once. <laughs> and it, luckily for me, it happened when I was much younger. And I only lost maybe, like, 10 to 15 dollars worth of in-game items. It was for Habbo Hotel. <laughs> yeah. My sister used to play it a bunch, and I tried getting into it, and I tried to get some furniture for my room, and then some rando walked into my room and was like, hey, if you post your, like, this code with your password, in, like, in the middle of it, uh, you'll get, like, a bunch of free money. Oh, no. And <laughs> me being a dumb 12-year-old, I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's the moment when I learned not to trust other people. Yeah, I've made it this long without ever being like internet scammed, and and yeah, this... fortunately you've been a you've been a smarty for a long time. So yeah, I just I don't know. Had it been from like a random account, or like had it not been somewhat related to a topic I had been talking to that person about already, like. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have followed it, but the circumstances just lined up right. I really did not think anything. I did not think twice about it. Your guard was down. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and Square, I believe I described at least the sign up and registration process 
and only for the free trial on Square Enix website as Lovecraftian. <laughs> so I don't blame you whatsoever. So, I'm still waiting on that. But you're right, it's given me the opportunity to play some other stuff, which I can get to in a minute, but, like, have you got... You've got you've got more cyberpunk to talk about. Yeah, it's time to return to cyberpunk, so... Yeah, after I I watched the first three episodes of Edge Runners, I decided to give 2077 another chance, because, like I said, I had picked it up briefly. I still don't own the game, but me and my roommate, our Steam libraries are connected through Family Share, so I'm able to play it as long as he's not accessing his library. And I watched him play a bunch of it after launch, and I was like, eh, this looks fine, but not super for me. The gameplay of 2077 is nothing really groundbreaking. It's a very Far Cry-esque shooter with, like, stealth and a bit of, like, tactics to it. And it also feels a bit like Borderlands and or Fallout in regards to the fact, like, it is a first-person shooter RPG. Right. Or a, or a first-person shooter with RPG mechanics. And usually that isn't my favorite brand of shooter. I far more prefer faster-paced boomer shooters. I would like more enemies that go down quicker than less enemies that are more bullet-spongy. And unfortunately, that is the case earlier on into the game when you're not as powerful. Like, you're definitely forced to sneak around and hack a lot more and when you do get into firefights you are crouching behind cover and then plinking at enemies and you have to plink a lot because they go down in a lot of hits but after i hit like maybe the 10 hour mark i was really starting to have fun with this game and now i feel like an all-powerful cyborg vigilante who just drives around Night City on his motorcycle. Anytime there's a reported crime on my map, I'm like, well, gotta stop and help the citizens. And now I kind of approach combat like they're almost mini puzzles. I, I have the Sandevastan, which is an implant that I mentioned earlier. It's the implant that David from Edge Runners gets that allows him to slow down time. Mine isn't quite as overpowered. It only slows down time by 50% for 16 seconds. That's still pretty significant, I feel. It still gives me a huge boost, but in the anime, it's like, it almost stops time completely. Uh, or or by like 80 to 90%. And I also have active camo. So usually what I will do is I will approach a group of enemies. I will mark them all manually because if you use the Sand Devastan, you can't do any hacking, which is fine. I'm not at a part of the game where hacking is part of my build and I will sneak up and snap the necks of 
as many enemies as I can do quietly just to pick off as many as I can. And then when I have to start the firefight, I will go invisible, stop time, and then shoot as many enemies in their head <laughs> with my revolver doing critical headshots until there's maybe like one or two enemies left. Right. And and then I will pull out my shotgun. And yeah, it's it's nothing super groundbreaking, but I've I've found my my way to have fun with it. The major strengths of the game is definitely its story, its characters, and its world. Night City feels like a real city. And it feels like a city that has culture to it, and it, it feels cohesive. Like I, I read a shard, which are, are basically like USB sticks that you stick into yourself, and you—it's like reading a book in Skyrim. You'll get a bunch of text to read. And I read a thing about upcoming brain dances. Brain I'm throwing dances? a lot of terms at <laughs> you. A brain dance is. Essentially, it's a technology in the world that allows people to record experiences, like what they see and what they feel, and then people can play those experiences back using a special type of headset. And usually it's they're they're violent or sexual in nature and they're they're sold as like a virtual reality drug oh okay of some kind so i read a menu about upcoming brain dances and it gave a description for one and then you go into the elevator and then you see a little animated advertisement for that same upcoming brain dance You'll see advertisements for items that you can get in-game. I mentioned earlier that the music all sounds like real music that a world can have, and they're in different genres, too. Right. I'm curious, though. Had you not read that, like, advertisement on that menu, do you think you'd have still gotten the advertisement in the elevator? Oh, probably. Oh, okay. It's like a, a piece of recurring art. Same thing for, like, there there is one particular advertisement for the brand of optic implants that my character has that I see. It's not as expansive as, say, like, our own world is. Like, there there's a limited amount of products and companies and advertisements that they can show, but it feels like a real world. Right. And the story is about, like, you you can choose one of three different character origins, either as a nomad, who are people who live in, like, family tribes outside the city. You can choose to start as a street kid who just grew up in the streets, or as a corpo who is someone who works for one of the big corporations. But other than like the first 20 minutes or so, they all land you on the same linear story path eventually. It's only really for character origin flavor and it gives you some unique dialogue options. Huh. And eventually you wind up 
as a part of a crew of mercenaries and you're on a mission to steal a new form of experimental tech from one of the big corporations and you normally don't screw with the corporations but you and your your friend really want to make it big you want to make names for yourselves and the job goes wrong and you end up putting this tech in your head because its protective case gets broken and then you're double crossed and shot in the head Oh, and was that like the only way to keep you alive or like the only way to hide it, I guess, was to... Well, the the only way to preserve the tech was to place it in your head, yeah. Or or else it was like the quality was degrading or something. And after you get shot in the head, this bit of tech revives you. Oh! But it's containing the digital psyche of Johnny Silverhand who was a terrorist and rock star, played by Keanu Reeves, (laughs) who attacked the corporation 50 years ago. And they they killed him and stored his psyche or his soul as a digital engram. And the relic, which is the, the name of the piece of tech in your head, and his psyche is slowly overriding you. Oh. And because he's in your head, like, you can see him and talk to him. But that becomes the main plot of the game, where you are trying to find a way to get it out of you without killing yourself. Or else eventually you will be overwritten and the person you were will no longer exist. And Keanu Reeves just takes over. Exactly. Huh. I had, like, no idea as to what that, uh what the premise of the game was. Yeah, and it it takes you through a like a wild ride of meeting a bunch of different people. You interact with a bunch of different gangs that all have their own look and in in universe goals, but functionally there's not a whole lot different from them. Like all of the human enemies like feel the same when you're fighting them. Mm, okay. But story-wise and world-building-wise and just presentation-wise, as long as the game isn't glitching, I have had two crashes in the last two weeks and a fair amount of graphical bugs. There's a bit where, like, someone is holding a cigarette, or is supposed to be holding a cigarette, but it's, like, floating, like, an inch or two away from their fingers. Like, it it isn't synced to their hand. (laughs) And there's the odd time where I feel like it has glitched out and I need to load a save. Like, there's a mission where I had to tail a van, and the van just sank into the uh, the ground and stopped moving. And I was like, well, I caught up with it, but it has to get to a certain location to like trigger the next bit of the mission. So I had to, I had to load for that. But as long as you can get by a little bit of jank and you can have fun with the combat, I, I highly recommend this game. Okay. I'm glad that I gave it a chance and that it has had work done to it over the last two years to make it more stable. And I'm glad that I waited for it to be more stable. <laughs> you said it's it's a first-person shooter? Yeah. Okay. That's it's not ordinarily 
my like genre, but I'm slowly getting into it like 20 years late. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a wide genre. It's it's got a spectrum and this is more on the like the slower methodical side and there are like i said there are stealth aspects to it not that it's very realistic stealth you're you're basically just trying to get behind enemies and then you have a choice between like a lethal and non-lethal takedown but you can be like wide out in the open right just barely crouched behind something and in this future of ocular implants like people cannot see more than like three to four yards ahead of them. <laughs> so it's very much video game rules. Right. Now the, the first person thing is because like growing up with shooters on consoles, I was just, I was absolutely abysmal at aiming with sticks. Oh, me too. So like, I kind of just avoided first person, particularly first person shooter games like The Plague because I was just absolutely abysmal at aiming with sticks. It changed a little bit with the Wii, like the Wii and the Wii U coming out when motion controls end up being a thing. And oh then, yeah, that was fun. And then I started doing a little bit more once I got a functioning PC that could actually run stuff. Yeah, I grew up with mouse and keyboard first-person shooters, so it's always been something natural to me. I cannot play FPSs with a controller to save my life. Yes, yeah, And God... <sighs> when Doom Eternal came out like a year or two ago, I was like, God help all the poor souls who are playing this game on console. <laughs> Cause that, with a mouse and keyboard, that game forces you to like, use literally every button given to you. Really? No, I, I found, unfortunately, cause I didn't play on console and I got a functioning PC like fairly late in life. My new issue now, as I've discovered, for playing it's usually shooter, it doesn't have to be a shooter. For whatever reason, and I have not nailed it down yet as to what that reason is, I am like a 50-50 toss-up chance that something I play in first person is going to make me motion sick. Oh. Which is crazy because like carnival rides, like roller coasters are fine, freefall things are fine the constant like spinny whooshy whatever things i don't get or like and even being on a boat i don't get motion sick from any of that but like I'm, i have the weirdest selection of video games that i can and cannot play like i can't play bioshock it makes me sick i can't i can't even watch somebody play bioshock it makes me sick that's fine bioshock's fine but it's not my favorite and like the Unfinished Swan, which was this really artsy little thing on the PlayStation. Like, I was able to play it before- it's first person, it's not a shooter, it's just a first one. I was able to play it before for like an hour or two was fine, and then later when I bought it for myself and I tried it, started making me sick. I can't play Slime Rancher to my great dismay because it's freaking adorable and the second one's yeah. just came out of beta. I can't I, play I did see that it had got a sequel. But! But! And, like, explain to me this, body. I can play Portal. <laughs> the most, like, <laughs> distorting of perception of space. Oh, yeah. I can play and... Portal. And, like, I've played a lot of Overwatch. And I can play Lucio in Overwatch. Mr. Rides on the Wall, Speed Boost, Jumps Everywhere character. I'm totally fine to play Lucio in Overwatch. 
That's so weird. I I don't know. It's I I don't really get it. See, so, yeah, I'm this 50/50 toss-up. And so like recently with my Final Fantasy account on lockdown, kind of and uh, finding something else to do. And I kind of was trying to get into it earlier, but I've been spending more time on it now. I've been playing Destiny 2. <laughs> Oh yeah. Which was making me sick for the first bit. I could go for about three hours and then one day I was playing with a couple of others and I'm like, I need a moment. They're like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm laying on the floor right now because everything's starting to spin. <laughs> That's free to play, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's a little bit, uh, it's free to play, but it has like seasonal passes and expansions that do need to be paid for. But those seasonal passes are like every three or four months kind of thing. Right. How far into Destiny 2 are you? Well, I've only really started more recently, because Destiny's a little bit weird. The person who I kind of started playing to play with has been playing for quite a few years, and I guess, like, there used to be a lot more, but Bungie, for whatever reason, took out a bunch of the old content. Like, a whole, a whole thing happened with one of the expansions that basically, like, saw a bunch of the planets in the universe and a bunch of the places you could visit, like, decimated. Oh, that's weird. So, there's... I was talking to this other guy about it, and he's like, yeah, there's a lot of content that unfortunately I will never be able to see unless I do it through, like, an old Let's Play video or read, like, a wiki about it, because those areas, like Mars, is just not there anymore. I cannot go there. So, unfortunately, he said it's often harder to get new players into it because it's not like Final Fantasy. Here's, like, the main story quest. Go follow that. Destiny doesn't really have that because you've just, you've just missed all of it. That sucks. So, um, like I was gifted, I was gifted the expansions, which the expansions though, even, uh, have a storyline to follow and like quests to follow. So they've kind of given me a goal to like, to focus in on, which is nice. And give me a little bit more background about stuff that's happening. But yeah, there's still like a huge chunk of it that I'm missing that I just, I just have to go find old videos or go like, go, read like the the wikis or their like ishtar archives and stuff like that like the fan collective stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's been interesting the the motion sickness part seems to have like gone away from exposure i guess like i i did six hours on it the other night and seemed to be totally fine so they're yeah, just getting used to it i guess i guess so yeah i had to fiddle around for, like even the the day i started i fiddled around a lot with like turning off the motion blur and like just adjusting the field of vision and stuff like that but, oh yeah i require like max field of view yeah. in every game that i play Still, so, like the, my only problem is and i'm getting better at it but i don't have the shooter gamer sense <laughs> That coupled with the motion sickness thing meant that, like, if I'm playing something third person, like Splatoon, I'm whipping the camera around, like, like, constantly, just to make sure I know what's going on around me at all times. But, like, mm -hmm. between the motion sickness and the just not being used to playing things in first person, I have, like, this really bad sense of my surroundings. I find I have that in multiplayer games. Oh yeah. Like I'm I'm not very great at multiplayer shooters, but in single player shooters like when there are like different enemy types and there's like a logic and method to it, like Doom and a lot of those other old games, like I'm fairly used to that. Okay. 
Yeah, Destiny has a lot of mob things that happen, so there's just a lot of like, for the PvE stuff, there's just a lot of things running at me, like, all the time. Yeah, I never tried Destiny 2, but if it's free to play, <laughs> I may download that and join you for it. It's got some interesting, like, just on Saturday, I was taken in for, like, my first... I think it's called a raid. It's like a dungeon. I'm pretty sure it's considered a raid, though. Through an area mm -hmm. called the Garden of Salvation. Two of us in this group of six, like, we were a pre-made group of six. And I can understand now why we were a pre-made group of six. Because trying to communicate what we had to do if it were, like, a group of, like, totally random strangers who may or may not type over text or speak over voice would be like impossible not impossible but perhaps a logistic nightmare if people didn't already know what they were doing right no it was super interesting yeah me and this other guy were really new basically got carried through but it's like a two-hour dungeon oh wow yeah this whole uh and yeah having to like break the groups up into two different teams so one group to handle this while another group handles this and then you kind of move into the next area and have to switch roles as to what you're doing like the final boss confrontation on it basically required like the group of six to split into three teams with uh, two groups focused on going through these portal things that would pop up and one pair focused on like rebuilding the stage as it kept getting destroyed by the boss so that requires a lot of coordination yeah it, it, and it like like i said only two of us were new but it still took us like several runs through to finally beat uh the end boss of the dungeon i hope you guys didn't pair the two newbies together. No, uh, <laughs> the guy who is taking the charge for the group um, knows both of us newbies. Like, like I said, we were a pre-made group of six, so he very mm -hmm. he had joked about like we're just gonna make the two newbies do the rebuilding. We're like, uh huh, like I guess so if you want. It's like no. He he basically paired us off with other people who had already completed this dungeon beforehand and had been playing a lot longer, so it wasn't so bad. <laughs> It was actually, I, I found it quite entertaining. I thought it was quite fun in, in a learning sort of way and seeing what you had to do. But apparently the one that we went through is like the most disliked dungeon in the game. <laughs> oh, okay. It's because the mechanics go a little bit janky and I did see it firsthand because there's this bit where the players end up as like tethers for an energy beam sort of thing. And the boss gives off a color and you have to take the tether from the boss and match it up to a pillar in a matching color. But what had happened is like there's like a blue pillar and a red pillar and it or like a whitish blue and the the tether would come down for white You'd see it on the boss. I'd be like, okay, it's white. We're going that side The tether would come down for white you do it and then the next one would pop but it'd be white again And if like and we were like what but the tether that was coming off the boss was coming off as red and if not for the fact that some of the other experienced players knew, they're like, no, there is absolutely no f way that it is white two times. Like, it is not possible for it to be white two times. They're like, it's a visual glitch. Just if we've already done white and it shows up right again, just run it to red. Okay. <laughs> the, yeah, so the mechanics at times with the tether things are a little bit janky. And I guess that's what kind of dissuades people from running that raid in particular. The reason why we were doing it was to complete like a weapon mission to get like this really high level weapon out of it. But uh, otherwise, I guess most people don't run it. Uh, the other thing is like Destiny is 
really pretty. Oh yeah, I love the gun designs. Not even just that, like the environments. Like it's a bit of a shame because this Garden of Salvation that we went through, if not for the fact that there are a couple people in a timeline and this is already going to take us like two hours running two new people, like there are some areas that I honestly probably would have just sat there and admired the environment if yeah, one, we, we didn't have a crunch time, two, it wasn't going to take us a long time either way, and three, stuff was shooting at me. <laughs> <laughs> like there is a whole section this whole field i'm like i really like want to stop and metaphorically smell the flowers but we're literally being chased by a horde and the objective is to get to the end of this field <laughs> yeah do you think the game could be played single player or is it best with other friends i think it's better with other people most definitely yeah, fair enough um some of because like i said some of the some of the content like, I've been running some of it solo for mission things, because it doesn't require that you go into the team, but even, like, soloing it is... It's not impossible, but as somebody who doesn't have, like, a fully decked out kit, it definitely takes, like, a lot longer than it probably should for me to take some of these, like, finish some of these missions and take the bosses out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, otherwise, if you just try to go, like, public party finder, I, I cannot imagine trying to do that raid in a six-man group with five people that I don't know. It would just be utter chaos. Yeah. Yeah, do you remember that one indie game that I told you about called Nightmare Reaper? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't played Destiny at all, but I know that it is a looter shooter. Yeah. And that, that game has, I would say, probably like a similar weapon system, if not like a lot more streamlined. Nightmare is still in, in beta, though, or is it out-out? No, it's released, released. Oh, okay. And eventually it should get co-op, so... Oh, cool. When that happens, I will definitely, like, if you haven't tried it by then, like, I will definitely be getting you a copy. <laughs> sure, sounds good. So with that, I think it's time to move on to the news. So, Juliana, have I got five words for you. <laughs> Do you know what they are? Mushroom Kingdom, here we go. <laughs> here I come. I can't remember what the line was. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> so we, we mentioned in our first episode, recorded about a month ago at this point, that they had not shown anything of the Mario movie except for a cast list and that it was around like seven or six months away from release. We now have both a poster and a first trailer, and it has set the internet ablaze. Oh yeah. How do you feel about it, Juliana? I still hold the take that Illumination does good animation, but their stories had a tendency to leave things to be desired. Um, so like, animation-wise, the Mario movie, I think it looks great. <laughs> it does look good! All the detail on it, even just like the slight fuzz or the slight- I don't know, do you technically call it feathers on a penguin or is it more like fur? But either way, like you can see the texture on that and the rendering they've done for Bowser and stuff and I think it all looks like really good. I will I will admit I did raise an eyebrow when they showed off the kingdom of Super Mario 64 penguins. <laughs> Yeah, but I think my one holdup is the same holdup that the rest of the internet has, or at least the great majority of the rest of the internet has, 
is that like I just hear Chris Pratt with Mario. I realize watching again, he is putting on a little bit of a voice, but I still just hear Chris Pratt as Mario. If not the mom from Bob's Burgers. Yeah, or that. What, that's part of what made me rewatch it is because I'm like, no, that is the same line delivery, and I don't yeah. think that Linda sounds like Chris Pratt, but like. He certainly sounds like Linda. <laughs> But it, it does, it does kind of just sound like him, and I, I don't know. Also, I would say it's the majority based on who you ask. <laughs> because I have also seen people say, like, as most people are saying, Chris Pratt sounds fine, but I have certainly heard more people take issue with his voice than I have be fine with it. And I'm definitely on that side. I think part of it as well is Mario has a voice. Not even just Mario has an established voice actor, but Mario has a voice. He's I compared it like to Zelda before where like Link yells and screams and shouts, but Link has never really said like words. So if a Zelda movie gets done and they pick a voice for Link, it's not like someone's like, hey, we all have an established voice for Link and this ain't it. But that's the thing with Mario is like, we have an established voice for Mario. There are games where maybe he doesn't speak in full sentences, but he definitely says words. Yeah. So we have a voice for that. And it's iconic. <laughs> and it's iconic. I can I can see to a degree, like for instance, just keeping with Chris Pratt because he's been cast, I can see to a degree why he might not want to put on this like over-exaggerated Italian accent. I can see it causing a problem in this day and age. Yeah, sure. But it does kind of open up this whole can of worms about the whole like, you know, Mario has a voice actor. Mario has had the same voice actor for decades. Why didn't we just get this guy? <laughs> and he's... he's in the movie! And he's in the movie! <laughs> Charles Martinet was on the initial cast list, but, like, the last name on the list, because I, as far as I know, they're giving him, like, minor bit roles. Yeah. And that is just pretty insulting, as far as I'm concerned. It's not like he hasn't- I can't remember what- I'd have to double check what the names are, but it's- It's not like he hasn't done voice work in other things that wasn't just screaming one or two words, you know? He's done proper voice work. He did Parthenax in Skyrim. Yeah. So the guy has a range. And, like, he's done promotional stuff as Mario, and, like, I, if I remember correctly, when he did it, like, it has a bit of that Mario, like, like, sound to it, but not, like, an insulting degree of fake Italian. <laughs> like, it gets toned mm -hmm. down a little bit for the promotional stuff. But, uh, but yeah, he's there, but he's not where we thought he was gonna be. I saw a series of tweets by... Tara Strong. Yeah. In yeah, you probably saw them too. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's hit and miss for me because there are certain instances of like celebrity casting that I'm okay with. Like Ben Schwartz is fine as Sonic. I'm glad that they got Colleen O'Shaughnessy to play Tails. Idris Elba killed it as Knuckles. <laughs> Just, like he is hilarious. But when celebrities get cast as voice actors for characters that already have iconic voices, it just speaks to me that 
the studio is not confident enough in the writing or the presentation or even like the name of the intellectual property they're adapting at like at all like they're they're not confident in that enough so they need a triple a name from one of the top 30 to 40 people in hollywood that act in literally everything to sell it and that sucks well i'm, I'm curious then like how did you feel about detective pikachu because we had ryan reynolds for pikachu <laughs> i thought detective pikachu was all right i didn't love it but I, like i thought it was fine I, I was gonna say this about jack black too who I think also sounds like fine as Bowser. Jack Black is probably going to carry this movie. Well, Jack Black's also got a little bit of like a funny man streak to him where he does weird voices and things like that. So Yeah, he's a character actor. Yeah. But I find Jack Black and Ryan Reynolds on equally the like they I find them both like when they hit, they hit really well, but when they don't hit, they're kind of cringy. Right. I feel that way about both of them, and I don't think Ryan Reynolds did horrible as Pikachu. I also don't think he had to be Pikachu. <laughs> I would have been happier with Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that still would have been a celebrity casting. But I think it still holds like the Pikachu thing. Okay, fine, Pikachu has a voice, but at least in that case, it's not the voice. That typical Pikachu voice is not the voice they were looking for for Detective Pikachu. So I think that as far as like the casting thing goes is okay because it's not it's not this case like Mario. He has a voice <laughs> that we know. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody expected, especially because the video game for Detective Pikachu is already out. I don't think anybody expected the Pikachu in the movie to have, like, the Pika Pika voice in the anime. <laughs> Aside from that one one-off joke. Yeah. <laughs> but man, just, you know, choosing one of Hollywood's biggest selling stars, but then also putting the character's original actor in the game as, like, a bit part. It's just, it feels gross. It rubs me the wrong way. I'm sorry. Like I said, it's really hit and miss for me. It's some celebrity voices I'm fine with, and it's hard for me to pass judgment until I've seen more. Like, to be fair, we've only heard him say two lines. Yeah. So far. Yeah. But of the couple speaking roles we saw in that trailer, I would place him below Jack Black and Charlie Day. I think Charlie Day's couple yelps we heard as Luigi, I was like, okay, that fit. That sounds fine. But man, it's hard to get over Chris Pratt. Yeah. He just sounds the same as he always does. But I, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh, right, like I was talking about earlier about conspiracy theory, because I was joking with my roommate. Um, because people are like, you know, and like part of what you had said the other night about, you know, it'd be cheaper to redub them than like <laughs> cost to reanimate Sonic. But I'm gonna it be. It totally would have. I don't know, because they've already paid Chris Pratt. Mm. Who pays animators? You know? Yeah. But, uh, okay, like as a quick aside for that. If I have to believe one conspiracy in the world, like one like does not hold a lot of weight conspiracy theory in the world, I have a feeling that the Sonic model 
the original one they showed was just shown to elicit enough like PR response. Like, you know, any PR is good PR, even if it's like negative response. And I just, a part, a huge part of me just feels like they had the other model like waiting in the wings, ready to go already. I can believe that. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't know how it'd get through like this many people built like, okay, here's the 2D image of what we're making and this is what we've cranked out for 3D. Like someone would have had to have spoken up. I just, I feel like they must have had the slightly more, like the more accurate model. They must have had the more accurate model waiting in the wings already to be like, guys, look, we fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> I have heard other people saying, like, yeah, Chris Pratt's just, he's a stand-in for whatever the real person acting him is going to be. Okay, I've seen that too, but I have a feeling it's not the case. A name like that, the amount of money you have to pay to get a name like that, to even just, like, do the promotional and do the recording for the tri- I just, I don't know, I don't think they would pay that for a joke. Yeah, and I don't know if he would go along with it. Yeah, that too, right? Although I did see a funny tweet where someone said, probably half-jokingly, that they were going to pay Charles Martinet over the service cameo <laughs> to record all of Chris Pratt's lines from the film so that they could do a fan dub. Oh my god. I don't think he'd be allowed to do that. <laughs> probably not. That would also probably infringe on contracts mm -hmm. or whatnot. But either way, internet certainly got something to chew on for the time being. Yep. We'll, we'll see how it turns out. I really don't want to pay to see this movie. See, but on the flip side, like, I'm probably going to go see, still see it in theaters. Just because I feel like animation like that deserves to be seen on a bigger screen. And like, I don't want them, like, I, I'm fine with the idea of video games being turned into movies because they seem to be taking more care with it nowadays than they used to. So I don't necessarily want it to be a case of like, oh, see, they don't want it because nobody went to go see it because of like the one actor. <laughs> I feel like there's enough internet uproar that, like, they're probably aware about the issues that people have with the actor, but I don't necessarily want the film to flop because of the one person. No, that's, that's fair. Although, I've already voiced my opinions on Illumination. This movie is also, its screenplay is written by the same guy who wrote Minions Rise of Gru. <laughs> oh no! Which came out this year. Yeah, it's the same writer, and this is only, like, his seventh writing credit on IMDb. And you hate Minions. <laughs> Rise of Gru was the one movie that I had to see in its entirety. Me and my cousin went to see it to see how bad it would be, and it was one of the worst cinema experiences I've ever had. I left that theater feeling angry. <laughs> but that's my problem for getting upset over a piece of children's media. Like, I think the most recent thing I watched by them was Sing. Sing was fine. I liked them. They were fun. I just like music, so something light like that was just kind of up my alley for like a, a relaxed evening sort of thing. <laughs> Our next bit of news is... Oh boy. Man, we are on the ball... pit. <laughs> wow. Wow, <laughs> Juliana. It's not a pit. It's a, that's the wrong convention. You know my takeaway from all this, you know, is just- We are don't, don't... in a pit of despair. 
my big takeaway from all this, don't trust pits at conventions. First it was DashCon, and now it's TwitchCon. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, old throwback. How this old, is your story, so that? you tell the story. <laughs> what, DashCon? Yeah, when did the ball pit incident with DashCon happen? 2014. 2014. Eight years since the infamous ball pit. And now we have the infamous foam pit. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't be laughing. It's not really a laughing matter. People got hurt in this one. Yeah. So yeah, TwitchCon just happened, and yeah, so there's this, like, this foam battle pit that was set up on the convention floor, and you know, it's one of those things, there's the foam pit, there's a couple pedestals in the middle, you give a couple people, like, these big boffer type things, and they just fight each other until somebody falls in, which is exactly what happened. Two ladies fought each other, one of them fell in, and the other one did her, like, celebration jig, jumped in the air, did the splits, and landed in the foam pit on her butt. The only problem is, unlike a gymnastics place foam pit, which is like two to three meters of foam, this was like two layers of foam and then a concrete floor underneath. Judging from like the video footage and just how high up the pit comes on like bystanders who are standing around, it's like, it's a foam pit in looks and not exactly in name. Yeah, I saw the video clip of it happening on Twitter, but I didn't know the context that this was like a battle pit. Like it's not meant specifically for jumping in. No, but even at that, so the one that you probably saw, the first lady who fell off, and she just kind of fell off backwards, but she released a testimony saying that, yeah, she fell off and when she did, she felt like a jolt up her back and like had pain for the rest of the day. Um, the other one who jumped off doing the slits and landing on her butt broke her back in two places. Yeah, and had to get like a meter A meter rod, rod stuck in there to help support it. Oh man. Yeah. So, and then there's a few other things, like I guess I, I was doing a little bit more digging with that and like someone else dislocated their knee in that pit. Someone else, I, I'm not 100% sure on the details of this one, but someone else sounds like they broke their ankle in it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there's been a few injuries coming out of this foam pit. Yeah, I feel like this is a lawsuit coming up that even some waivers signed wouldn't be able to... No, because waivers act as a deterrent, but I don't think they're like a, a, a get-off scot-free for negligence. No. Because, yeah, there's some pretty serious injuries that are coming out of that thing. And I just... <laughs> Oh my god, the story's still developing. I'm very, I'm very interested to see where it goes. Yeah, I'd rather pick up a common cold from a convention than break my back. Right? Oh my goodness. Like on her part, not the smartest way to jump into a pit. But I guess like if you haven't been to a gymnastics place and you haven't been to like an actual foam pit where it's made properly for you to jump in, you might not realize that this like one two layers of foam is not going to catch all of your body weight falling into it you're just gonna fall right through and hit the floor which is unfortunately what happened i know there are some comments of people who are like well she must have like because these two pedestals are right in the middle of the pit and we're like well she must have had to wade through the foam and been able to feel that the ground was not far below but like I said, if you don't have the experience of foam pits, you might just trust that these people have set it up correctly and that the foam will cushion your fall, not that you'll just fall through the blocks. Yeah, absolutely. You would expect that would at least cushion it enough, I guess, but 
Yeah, I saw the video. It did not look good. Did you listen to it with sound? There's some commentary on it from I like did. the announcer or whoever, and people are trying to help her. Oh, and they're like, oh, she's fine. I, I heard her say, like, I can't move. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, the announcer person on the sign just saying, like, she's fine. She just lives in the pit now or something like that. It's like, oh, oh boy. <laughs> Yikes. Where I think someone else has said, oh, just pull her out, which is probably good that nobody did, because, like, she's broken her back in two places. If someone just took her and yanked her out, it just would have made it that much worse. Rule number one for running a convention or expo. No pits of any kind. No pits. <laughs> just never seems to end well. But no, it'll be interesting to see where this develops, because it was TwitchCon, but the pit was set up, I think, by Lenovo. Oh. It was a Lenovo-sponsored, or... Er prepared thing so yeah we'll see what happens with that <sighs> okay think that's it for news yeah that's about all i got <laughs> all right now on to the inbox so that inbox of ours is still empty <laughs> Because our first episode isn't going up until today because it's taken me so long to edit it thanks in no part to cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> but we did prepare some hypothetical questions to ask ourselves anonymous mick doesn't exist asks <laughs> What are some of your favorite RPG classes slash jobs slash archetypes? Oh, oh, okay. Hands down, for me, the magic knight. Like, every time. <laughs> the sword mage? Like, the sword mage doesn't necessarily have to be a sword, but yeah, the sword mage or the land, like, the melee mage is, like, just what I go to, like, every time. Tales of Symphonia, it was Kratos. In, like, Tales of the Abyss, it was Jade. In Final Fantasy XIV, I beelined it to Red Mage as soon as I humanly could. <laughs> There's just something I like about having the mix of swordplay and magic, and not just being the squishy mage over there with the stick that can't protect themselves, but can actually counter, like, with a weapon. You like to be the jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Which is what the red mage excels at being. And being really flashy. <laughs> I guess if I were to pick, like, my favorites would lie somewhere between the physical to ranged classes of, like, fighter hunter or rogue sometimes i like playing the strong dps sometimes i like to play the more like stealthy and utility class although i i have tried to like sample a bit of everything i like to see how everything plays yeah that's fair i just don't like close quarter combat just does not jive with me like a constant close quarter combat something about it i just do not play melee things well and that's mm -hmm. like that's across games too like i'm not i'm not great with melee final fantasy i'm not great with melee for league of legends i'm not great with any of like the melee weapons for splatoon like it doesn't seem to matter what i play something about me and melee that just does not jive so the magic sword fighters and stuff having the magic option but also like i do like being able to like cut and dodge and stuff like that so to be able to get in there and hit things a few times and get out again is like just fulfills enough of like my need to be melee without having to hard commit to melee <laughs> yeah totally understandable i've always loved melee weapons of any kind like i like 
swords and spears and knives and and sometimes like on like the eastern side i i like staves and sai so i've all i've always been fascinated with melee weapons and then related to what we talked about today if you could replace or modify any part of your body with a futuristic cybernetic implant what would it be so this one's harder for me in a sense because i haven't played a lot of like sci-fi i i haven't i just i haven't done a lot within sci-fi stuff so i don't know what the usual expected augmentations would be or what tropes usually follow those augmentations it could be anything you can just use your imagination oh i know so but i mean like i i, I don't know what would be like oh you know this would never happen in a cybernetic enhancement kind of thing but so like i have a super pragmatic answer but without maybe quite as much of the sci-fi bit I that's would, fair that's fine i would probably replace the heart yeah <laughs> It's it, this is my super pragmatic like if we replace this organ because that's the one that seems to fail a little too often and does all of the blood regulation which is needed for all of the limbs and the brain function and you know sometimes I just wish I could run for a little bit longer than I could instead of just being a sprinter so <laughs> yeah I, you can definitely get in 2077 implants for your circulatory system I have synthetic lungs so that I can like run longer because that affects your stamina but yeah pragmatic answer probably probably the heart a little bit more fun answer i don't know maybe like cybernetic eyeballs because like i don't have the worst vision in the world but sometimes i'd like to just be able to see like a hawk <laughs> just like zoom in like a like an elf oh yeah <laughs> i think ocular implants are are pretty cool too i think my pragmatic answer, and this is a little gross, but I was thinking about this the other day, just because sometimes I have digestion problems because I don't eat super well. I would love, an, like, an artificial digestive system that, like, would give me, like, a live reading of, like, how full my stomach is by percentage, and, like, estimated time until I need to go to the bathroom <laughs> next. Fun answer is I would totally get the Mantis Blades that are featured in Cyberpunk 2077. Just being able to unfold my arms into two giant mechanized katanas. That sounds terrifying, but okay. Yeah, there's there was a quest in 2077 where you get tricked into watching one of those brain dances I told you about. But there is no brain dance. You just wake up naked without all of your weapons and equipment in a scav hideout. And scavs are Russians who kill people and like harvest their implants. Right. And they were able to take everything from me except my mantis blades. <laughs> so that was a really fun side quest. Yeah, because I, I just end up thinking about it in different ways. Like... Like, I, I just, yeah, for me, the cybernetic thing, except for, like, you know, the ocular thing, I feel like if I try to change anything else out for, like, leg thing or, like, an arm thing for, like, being able to run further or lift things and things, like, I just, I just, my mind goes back, like, like, okay, arms for lifting, but I'm, like, I feel like my knees are gonna give out, or, like, legs are running, I'm, like, I don't think my cardio is gonna keep up. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just have a super pragmatic answer of 
I'll swap the heart out, thanks. <laughs> I also think it would be really cool to have like a brain implant that could record your dreams while you're sleeping so that you could play them back later. I always thought like something like that would be super cool. And that's the end of our hypothetical questions. If you have questions or comments for us, you can reach us at madmillennialmediamunchers at gmail.com or at madmmmuncherpod on Twitter. And with that, I think we're going to bring this episode to a close. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> yeah, have a great day, and we will see you next time. Later. Bye.